In today's program, I have something real special planned. This is the first time I've done this in Narrative Wars. I'm going to give you some tools of philosophy, reason, and construction of truth claims. Together, we're going to apply these tools to the current transgender conversation, which is out there in the public sphere. If you've ever wondered how America's arrived at the current crossroads and how we can resist the media madness, this is the program for you. We'll be featuring sound bites from Matt Walsh's film, What is a Woman? Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee interviewing Judge Jackson. Comments from Jordan Peterson on the transgender worldview. All of this in Dictionary Wars on today's edition of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. You don't want to miss this. We the people are sick and tired. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired. So tired. Well, we're going to jump right into it. This first cut is Dr. Michelle Forcier. Now, she was one of the many people that Matt Walsh interviewed in the film, What is a Woman? You can find it on the Daily Wire. Outstanding film. Highly recommend it. Let's listen to this first cut. She's going to give her background in terms of medicine, and she's going to describe her experience in this area. Let's listen to cut number one. My name is Michelle Forcier, um, and I have a medical degree from University of Connecticut Residency, University of Utah Pediatrics, and I've worked for a number of different Planned Parenthoods for 20 years. I do advanced contraception and abortion, as well as gender hormones, and sort of looking at the whole sort of schema of gender, sex, and and reproductive um, justice. So she worked for Planned Parenthood for 20 years, uh, you know where she's coming from. She's pro-abortion, and she also helps people to transition from one sex to another, or else she thinks she does. That's her background. Okay, we're going to listen to cut number two, but before we do that, we're going to give you some tools here in order to kind of dissect, make sense out of what we're about to listen to you too, because I, I guarantee it's going to blow your mind. Now, I'm going to give you two theories of truth, okay? These both fall under a branch of philosophy called epistemology. Epistemology just deals with truth. What is true? How do we know certain things are true? Or what are the ways that we arrive at truth, okay? So that's epistemology. And under epistemology are various theories of of truth, you know, which answer those questions or attempt to answer those questions. What's true and how do we arrive at making certain truth claims about things we observe, things that we think about? Now, the first theory of truth we want to talk about is called correspondence theory of truth. In other words, truth corresponds. There's a connection between a truth claim and something that you can see, something that you can observe. And uh, this was espoused by both Aristotle and uh, John Locke. Now, 
and, and many others. So in other words, if it's raining and I walk outside and make the observation it's raining now, there is something observable, verifiable by others. It's raining. Another example would be that uh, truth exists, again, in the correspondence theory of truth, truth corresponds to something observable some and something observable by others okay it's not necessary that you're observing it or that you're seeing it at any particular time now another example would be i go to sleep i'm sleeping there's the sun there's the moon those things still exist when I wake up the next day, I can observe them over a 24-hour period of time, and so can many other people. So there's something objective. There's an objective reality. There is a sun. There is a moon. And, of course, the ancients have written about the sun and the moon for millennia. These are observable phenomena that, that ancient civilizations have always been aware of. The Aztecs had their sun uh, calendar, and many, many cultures all over the world, they created lunar calendars. We, we're, we're aware of both solar calendars and lunar calendars. So we know that these things were observable and people believe they were true. Uh, we know about the equinoxes. We know about tides, water going up and down, tides, and having some sort of correspondence to the moon. So these are all examples of the correspondent theory of truth. Now, another example of a theory of truth is the coherence theory of truth. And the thing about the coherence theory of truth is that objects may exist dependent upon the mind. Remember, in the correspondence theory of truth, objects can exist without being dependent upon the mind. In other words, in the correspondence theory of truth, you don't have to think about the sun in order for the sun to exist. It just exists, and other people can observe it. In the coherence theory of truth, objects exist because they're dependent upon your mind thinking about those things. If I don't think or acknowledge that something exists, it just doesn't exist. The idea of proposition is true, which fits in or is consistent with the totality of a truth, which it is part. Now, this kind of, it might make your brain explode, but I think it will help if we think about transgender theory. In other words, Matt Walsh is going to be looking at male and female from a correspondence perspective, while Dr. Forcier is looking at it from a coherence theory of truth. In other words, she's constructed in her mind this idea that gender is fluid, that gender can move from male to female, and so everything has to fit into that subjective construction. Let's listen to cut number two. Male gametes. That's what makes me male. No, your, your sperm don't make you male. Then what does? It's a constellation. In reality, in truth, okay? Whose truth are we talking about? The same truth that says we're sitting in this room right now, you and I. No, you're not listening. 
If I, if I see a chicken laying eggs and I say that's a female chicken laying eggs, did I assign female or am I just observing a physical reality that's happening in the world? Does a chicken have gender identity? Does a chicken cry? Well, a Does chi a chicken commit suicide? Let's frame it because you're talking, you're trying well, a chicken to... chicken has sex like any, like any biological organism. A chicken has an assigned gender, but a chicken doesn't have a gender identity. So we assign female to chickens when they lay eggs? That's a, we that's assume they're female if they lay eggs. So we assume chickens are female if they lay eggs. She challenges Matt and says, Matt, you're not listening. Matt points out that there is such a thing as objective truth. Matt points out that truth can exist as a correspondent theory, something that is grounded in something that's observable. Matt points out that we're sitting in a room together. And her response is, no, no, you're not listening. In other words, the fact that they're sitting in the room together is immaterial. It's unimportant. The fact that Matt mentions a biological truth, which you can find in every high school textbook across the United States of America, a definition of gametes, that there's something called male sperm, there's something called female ova. When they unite, there's the creation of a human being. But no, the fact that there is a sperm, according Dr. Forcier, does not mean that you're male. The fact that there is something objectively observable called an ova, no, that does not mean the person that produces that is female because it's a constellation. She is looking at truth in terms of the coherence theory of truth. Truth only exists in your mind. Truth is only subjective. And something that's observable, something that is observable, verifiable by other people, that does not compute with her because she's already created this construction that, that male and female are not fixed, that there's something called non-binary, that there's something called transgender, and that a man can change into a woman, a woman can change into a, a, a man. Why? Because it's all dependent upon feelings, subjectivity, and the mind of the individual. Well, let's move on and talk about the nature of deception and the manipulation of language, the nature of deception and the actual manipulation of language. Let's listen to this passage. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent responds and says, you will not certainly die for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Sound familiar? The woman is making an argument based on the correspondent theory of truth. There's a tree over there. It's in the middle of the garden. God told me not to eat from it. And that there will be consequences. The consequences will be that I will die. The serpent responds, no, you're not going to die. 
That's all in your mind. Don't believe what God told you, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. No, don't believe that there's male. Don't believe that there's female. Gender's just a construction. It's a constellation. There is no set definition of male. Your gametes don't define you as being male. Nope, don't believe that. Not true. So these sort of arguments, they've been around a long time. A long time. Hey folks, we're going to take a quick break here and mention that Narrative Wars wants to give you a shout out to our many listeners, both in the United States and in other countries. You can find our webpage again on Podbeam with links to your favorite podcasting apps. Please tell a friend, just go to narrativewars.org. That's narrativewars.org. And this will take you to our webpage. You can access past shows along with links to your favorite podcasting apps. Please five-star rate, follow, and then tell a friend. We really appreciate it. Well, this is very interesting. And as we continue this conversation about transgender activism, I wanted to cite an article called Corruption of Language and Morality in the History of the Peloponnesian Wars. Now, the Peloponnesian Wars were 4500 BC, a long time ago. But what's really fascinating is that in order to propel those wars forward, language actually changed. Language changed. And this was written down by Thucydides, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, but he was an Greek historian, he wrote about the Peloponnesian Wars, the wars between Athens and Sparta, and he made a very fascinating observation that in order to propel these wars forward, the nature of language changed, words changed, and see if words change and the meaning of words change, what happens? Thinking changes. And this is what's going on. This is why we're explaining what these people are doing. This is why we're deconstructing this. Because basically, words are being used as a type of fifth-generation warfare. That's what's taking place here. Well, what did Thucydides observe? Well, he observed a number of things. What used to be described as thoughtless act of aggression was now regarded as courage. To think of the future and wait was merely another way of saying that a person was a coward. So thinking about the future and pondering the future, that's cowardice. Any kind of moderation was just an attempt to disguise one's unmanly character. The ability to understand a question from all sides meant that a person was unfit for action. So don't question. It's you, you, Yours is not to reason why. <laughs> All right? Yours is but to do or die. Fanatical enthusiasm was the mark of a real man. To plot against an enemy behind his back was perfectly legitimate self-defense. 
Anyone who held violent opinions could always be trusted. The violent people were the people you could trust. Now, this is not something that's normal in a society that's not at war, but this was a society at war. And they changed these definitions. In other words, a person who could be trusted was now a person who held violent opinions. And finally, to plot successfully was a sign of intelligence. But it was still more clever to see a plot was hatching. So you were supposed to plot, you were supposed to plot against your enemy, and you were supposed to hold violent opinions. And that sort of person could be trusted. Very interesting. So words have been used in warfare. Words and definitions of words have affected societies and affected the thinking of societal members going back 2,500 years to the Peloponnesian Wars. All right, let's give, give a listen to cut number three. This is Marsha Blackburn, and she's having a conversation with Judge Jackson. And Judge Jackson is being nominated to be upon the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And Senator Blackburn asked the Supreme Court nominee to define woman. Let's give a listen. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law, and I decide. Well, so I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Uh, so in this example, in this cut... Senator Marsha Blackburn from the great state of Tennessee absolutely nails it. She said, if you can't even define something as fundamental, as self-evident as what a woman is, then you're just espousing radical ideology, progressive ideology, which is the result of the education system that you were exposed to, the education system that you went through. And I don't want to vote for you. I, I, that's, I, that's not something I want to be that sort of thinking. I don't want that sort of thinking to be on the bench of the highest court in the land, Supreme Court of the United States, because you just have this squishy view of reality. You won't even say what a woman is. No, that's a biology question. I'm not a biologist. I'm a judge. Here's the irony is that Joe Biden said, I want a black woman to be nominated to be a justice on the Supreme Court of the United States. So here she is. She's a black woman, but she can't define what a woman is. Yeah, I find some irony in that. So once again, Marsha Blackburn, Senator, State of Tennessee, She's coming from the correspondent the theory of truth. She's saying that it's self-evident what a woman is. 
a woman is an adult female. But Judge Jackson can't even state the obvious because she adheres to a coherence theory of truth. Truth is subjective. And, well, I have to look at the law. I have to look what others say. And then I have to decide if a woman is an adult female or something else. Perhaps there's two sexes. Perhaps there's more than two sexes. Perhaps people are trans. Perhaps people are bisexual, transsexual. Many, many different things. It's, inter, it's an intersectionality. It's a constellation. So that's a great example of, again, this clash between the correspondent theory of truth and the coherence theory of truth. Coherent theory of truth, meaning it doesn't have to be something which is objective and observable and verifiable by other human beings. It just depends on your state of mind. Well, this is part of the program we call Dictionary Wars, and I was thinking of a number of different terms that we could use for Dictionary Wars, but you may want to just go to your computer and search for the term woman. And amazingly, what I found is woman, an adult female human. Wow, how about that? It also mentions that adult female humans can have children. So why is this controversial? This has been known for millennia. Women can have children. They can give birth. Men cannot give birth. Now, do all women give birth? No, we know that. But when a human being does give birth, it's another way that we know that is a female adult human being. We, we thought these things were self-evident, but apparently the trans people are pushing the coherence theory of truth that no, it's just a construct. It's just a constellation. And if you don't agree with them, no, you're not listening. You're just not educated. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for this nonsense. There are only two genders, male, female. Well, we're going to have a shorter version of Narrative Wars today. Some of you might even want to listen to this more than once because we're kind of digging deep, talking about epistemology, theories of truth, and particularly just two theories of truth, correspondence and coherent theories of truth. Let's listen to Jordan Peterson and he's having a conversation with Pierce Morgan on the program Pierce Morgan Uncensored. And it's really interesting because Pierce Morgan and I don't agree on very many things. I consider him to be more liberal in his thinking, left of center in his thinking. But it's very interesting. Both Peterson and Morgan fall 
under the correspondent theory of truth. Let's listen to this conversation. Jordan Peterson with Pierce Morgan. Let's listen to cut number four. How have we got to this place where women are terrified of saying what a woman is and women who do say what they think it is, i.e. there are clear biological distinctions between a man and a woman, they get destroyed? Well, we've accepted this preposterous hypothesis that your identity is only subjectively defined. And as I've tried to point out on some of my le- in some of my lectures, the only people who think their identity is subjectively defined are two-year-olds. And I mean that technically, because mm. two-year-olds are egocentric, which means they can't bring their identity in alignment with a, a social norm. This is a very difficult thing to understand. You think there's such a thing as reasonable conversation. Mm. That's not on the table for the radicals. No, it's not. See, reason, the, I, the, your notion of reasonable conversation is nothing but your insistence that your ethos is dominates. And their response is always, well, then you're transphobic. So Jordan rather brilliantly summarizes the transgender position of gender fluidity in a rather succinct and almost vulgar clarity, stating that transgender activists are reasoning from a two-year-old mentality. And he's serious about that. He states that transgender activists are subjective and that they fall into a category of being and acting like two-year-olds. And you can't reason with a two-year-old. In fact, it's not possible to have a meaningful conversation with a person who embraces a two-year-old mentality. For example, if a two-year-old is about to run into a swimming pool and that two-year-old can't swim, that two-year-old doesn't know how to float, that two-year-old you know is just going to drop to the bottom and drown, you can't have a conversation. This happened to me when my son was very, very young. He went running towards a pool, jumped in. He saw other kids playing. He thought, hey, that's a lot of fun. He immediately sank to the bottom. I jumped in with all my clothes on, wallet on, glasses, everything, and I thrust him out of the water. My wife picked him up, and uh, he was fine. You can't just have a conversation with a two-year-old who just jumped in the water and is drowning at the bottom of the pool. There is no conversation between people who want to have a conversation and a two-year-old. It just doesn't exist. And so this is a great example of the correspondence theory of truth, which Jordan Peterson is referring to which Jordan Peterson is coming from, that point of view that there is socialization, that we have certain understandings, that in society we have certain understandings, certain truth claims, certain things that we have come to agreement upon, meanings of words, what is male, what is female, the fact that sex is binary, the gender is binary, There is such a thing as male. There is such a thing as female. These are things that have been known for millennia, the correspondence theory of truth. But in contrast, the college-educated individual is now encouraged to discard everything we learned in high school biology, just erase that, sort of like tearing down statues and 
forgetting history. And now they're told to throw out any sort of correspondence theory of truth and embrace a coherence theory of truth. And the problem with the coherent theory of truth is that it's just simply a moving target. You know, one day a person could be male, another day a person could be female, another day that person could be trans, another day that person could be bi, perhaps another person, that same person could be gender fluid. So that's what she means by there's a constellation. But the trans activist throws out millennia, thousands and thousands of years of human history and says, no, we're smarter than, than all of those human beings throughout all of human history because we went to college and we're going to embrace this trans idea that truth is subjective and there's no such thing as male, there's no such thing as female. Let me just conclude by saying this. If you're thinking of sending your children to college, you better check out that college very carefully. You're going to come out, they're going to come out on the other side very, very confused. You may not even recognize your child on the other side. Well, thank you for joining us. That's today's episode of Narrative Wars, and I hope it's been helpful. I hope you've been able to grab a hold of some of these concepts, these theories of truth, so that you'll be able to combat the mainstream media narrative and you won't just cave to uh, the latest twist and turn which is being thrown at you. And also is being thrown at your children, your loved ones, and your friends. Well, thank you again for listening to Narrative Wars. You can be a part of this program. You can email us at feedback at narrativewars.org. That's feedback at narrativewars.org. And we'd love to hear your comments, and uh, we look forward to that. Thank you. We do appreciate your support. You're the reason why we do this program. I'm your host of Narrative Wars, Dr. Jeffrey Cade Lyons. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. We the people are sick and tired. So tired.